being surrounded by people that just accept you and like you and encourage you to be you. And in, in this entire group, it, you know, the age of 16, it was definitely life changing. I mean, I, I wish most queer, I wish all queer kids could experience that because it really was life changing. You just kind of learn to the, like, not only accept yourself, but love yourself. And knowing that other people love you for being you, it's, it, you know, it's the best feeling in the entire world. Hello and welcome to Tom Meets Interesting People. This is the podcast where I'll meet everybody from nuclear engineers to voice actors and talk about their life, their work and what they're passionate about. Now when I sit back and I daydream and I close my eyes and I think about what my life would look like if I wasn't tone deaf and I had just a minuscule <laughs> bit of musical talent, my guest today would be the embodiment of that daydream. <laughs> While working a crappy retail job, I can relate, Mr. Slade's music career began and his music is an extension of both his beliefs, both spiritual and political, and rejecting the idea that if you're born a certain way, you're only allowed one avenue of expression. His music's heavily, heavily influenced by the DNA of classic rock and 80s hair metal, with a bit of 90s alternative runs and industrial all sort of thrown in for good measure. And all of that other stuff that society says a queer South Asian guy has no business being in. But I suspect by the end of this episode, I am probably going to want to overthrow the government of a small <laughs> country. Um, Mr. Slade, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I think a lot of our listeners and a lot of people will relate to that crappy retail job. Mm -hmm. So tell us how you escaped. How did that retail job lead into music? And bonus points, how shit was that retail job? <laughs> as far as retail jobs, pretty shit. But the nice thing is I um I loved everyone that I worked with. So that I mean, you know, when 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 work is crap, you kind of just like uh group off and just gossip and have fun and goof off as much as possible without getting in trouble. But um, that's basically how I started writing music. Um, uh, I would just write, write songs for friends because we were bored and, you know, restless. And people were like, oh, that's really catchy. And so it turned from that. And I went to school for theater, um, for performance arts and theater. So it was just kind of a nice extension. And I thought, okay, this might be a fun creative avenue to pursue. And that's pretty much how that started and it's i've noticed that a lot of artists they will just begin with that sort of i'm just writing songs for me or i'm just writing songs for my friends so it's good to see that that sort of continue mm -hmm. and that it was very organic too it wasn't like okay i need to like be structured and think of something and using kind of my music background which i have none of so it really was much more organic and much more fun. And I mean, <laughs> to your point, I mean, I think I'm tone deaf most of the time, too. I can sing my songs, but God forbid, don't take me to a karaoke bar. I'll be like, <laughs> murder on the microphone. <laughs> I, 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 was, I was taken to one in London um, just before coronavirus for a friend's birthday party. And I'm pretty sure I was this close to getting thrown out. Right? But those <laughs> are the best kind of karaoke, though. To me, like when I go to see karaoke, I want to see someone you know, just having fun and taking the piss out of themselves and not, you know, trying to be Mariah Carey or anything like that. Yeah, There's one. I... We don't do need, we don't need more. 
Yeah, and that's kind of like the spirit of it, isn't it? It's this mm. sort of just let's just have a laugh, few drinks. Bridget uh, Jones it on the microphone. Yeah. Um, I'm also I'm probably going to lose some gay points. I've never seen the movie. Bridget Jones? Never seen it. <gasps> oh, you're losing all your gay points. <laughs> I know, I know. I'll, I'll just I'll just go hand back in my gay card or something. I will describe it for you, scene for scene later on. Go for it. Go for it. <laughs> Opening shot. <laughs> Christmas Eve. <laughs> Turkey curry buffet. So it definitely sounds like music was and has always been a big part of your life in one form or another, whether you've been creating or consuming. Yeah, I would think music I would say music is probably the constant in all of our lives, right? I mean, um there's always music going on in the background in my life at least and I mean I think I think we all consume music far more than we consume anything else. So, yeah. Yeah, to that point, it's the um it was just kind of a natural progression to kind of ex- explore that avenue of creativity because it's always there. And I think also what what's become a regular theme between a lot of my guests is sort of exploration of like a shared experience and a shared identity that's found sort of through music. I think like a lot of people in our community, we are sort of the music that we listen to and the music that's big in our community almost ends up kind of connecting us. Do do you sort of see that? A hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. It's almost like an invitation to a life that we don't have, right? I mean, when you're when you're in a suburban hell and you're, you know, closeted or confused or, you know, frustrated with life or depressed, there's, you know, you, you put on a Kylie or a Britney or, you know, any number one of the, any number of the songs and you're almost transported to an alternative life where you don't live where you live, right? I yeah. think, I mean, that could dates back to somewhere over the rainbow, right? Way back in the in the 30s and 40s with our queer culture. So I think that's always been a constant, which I think is really wonderful. I think it might be dissipating a little bit now, but it's it's it was quite a wonderful little escape, right? It's a little ticket to escape bill. Yeah, because I think you're on the, um, oh goodness, what podcast was it? I had the notes open here like literally 10 seconds ago. Um, and you talked about like sort of music and how that sort of like what we had as sort of like considered gay music has kind of slipped into the mainstream. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, both maybe a good and a bad thing. Um, do you want to sort of share your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just interesting now where we live in a time, I mean, listen, the fight's far from over, but for the most part, we've been accepted in mainstream for the most part, but we've lost a lot of our culture, right? And I think... Yeah. The thing that made being gay in the 60s and the 70s and the 80s a bit special was there was always a wink and a nudge, right? You watch a show like Bewitched and there was this the queer subtext and you kind of felt like this is just for me and I get it. And there was this underground cool club that was quite exclusive that you belong to. So I think, you know, we, we've traded that for, for mainstream acceptance and I think there's pros and cons to that. But it's a little bit sad to see that, you know, our queer underground culture disappearing. Because like so like I noticed that as well. Because um, like I first, I'm gonna I'm gonna hate you. Uh, you're gonna hate me for the the next Let's sentences, the next sentences that come out of my life that tell you tell you our age difference. But for me, like when I sort of turned sixteen in two thousand and nine. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> I'm old enough to be your grandpa. <laughs> you're not. No, 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 you're not. No, you're not. For me, like the first kind of exposure I had to my sort of community was Fire uh, RuPaul. Mm. And Drag Race was just about starting up. And I caught the third season with Sandra coming out of a box. I don't uh-huh. know if that's a metaphor or not. 
It, it's, it's a perfect <laughs> metaphor, isn't it? <laughs> and it was. Sort I'm of, you, Shangela. I'm you. <laughs> and, and I've noticed that sort of shift in Drag Race as well, where we've gone from Drag Race being this cool, edgy, not giving a fuck kind of sort of reality show, sort of like as a product of the late late two thousands mm-hmm. in, into the early tens, into what is now a global franchise that's hit the mainstream and everybody and their uncle wants to be on it. Which... Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. But I mean, again, like that's the cool thing about it. Who would have thought back then that that would have been mainstream? Like I remember when RuPaul came out in the 90s, right, with with Supermodel and it kind of, you know, it, it was top five but or top 10. It was quite mainstream, but it was also very exciting at the same time too. It was kind of risque and dangerous and kind of exciting. And to your point now, it's very kind of, it's just very mainstream, isn't it? Yeah. It's very. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's sort of. And I, I think that's that that's that's a good thing, sort of in a way, because we've got that. A very good thing, right? Yeah. I always, whenever I bitch about it with my friends, I always think, listen, what about that poor kid in Nebraska, right? Like, yeah. you know what? They don't care about subtext or queer culture or anything like that. They just don't want to get beaten up, or they just want to be accepted and just feel comfortable being in them in their own skin. So I think, yes, of course, the trade off is far better. But I think as queer artists or queer writers or queer creators, I think it, we still can create something that is maybe just designated or specific for us with mm-hmm. a wink, you know, just to our tribe. I think we can still do that without losing ourselves completely. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, and I, w- I was curious about something, so I was Googling while you were talking about RuPaul. Um, I am the same age as Supermodel. That is disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> Listen, uh, I love aging. I, I love being in my 40s. I'm having like, I love being in my 40s. It's the best. Yeah. It's like the time of your life where you're like, this is your response to most things. Yeah. As I held up my two middle fingers. Yeah. You're just uh, like, oh, whatever. It's, it's the best. I love it. And yeah, I've noticed something. I don't know if this is the same over in the States, but we sort of like queer culture and aging. Like, I'm about to hit my 30s. Mm-hmm. And... I'm getting ready to draw my queer pension <laughs> and go down to the post office and be like, yes. in my day. Shangela <laughs> <laughs> jumped out of a box. <laughs> she did. I'm telling you. <laughs> All right, Nana. <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm not, I'm sort of noticing that there is like sort of, I'm starting to now experience sort of that ageism. And that kind of sort of I'm not allowed in the community anymore because I'm not an 18 year old twink um, anymore. I'm now a slightly flabby, almost 30 year old mess. Post twink. Post twink. Yes, I'm, I'm post twink. Um, is that something that you've seen sort of like in, in your end or have you very much just middle fingered it? I think I just middle fingered. I mean, listen, I, I'm everywhere I go. I mean, I was just in London a few weeks ago, and I always find wherever I go, I'm always the non, only non-white person. There may be another non-white person, but I'm always used to that. I've been out in Toronto since I was 16, so I've been going to clubs and bars with my friends. And again, I'm very much used to being the only one that looks like me. So to me, the idea of like, I fit in now, and soon I won't fit, and there's an expiry date, has never really entered my lexicon or my way of thinking. So... To be honest with you, I hear a lot of my friends bitching and complaining about it. And um, 
uh, about too. ageism and things like that. But I haven't really experienced it because I don't think it's ever really been. I've never taken stock of my age, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah. And also, too, nowadays you have things like daddy. Like now I get hit on by twinks way more than I've ever been hit on. So, like, you know, yeah. that's kind of the, the upside about uh, getting older in our community is I think there's more of a reverence nowadays, more so for the for the daddy or for the, you know, the gay guy that gets a bit older. So I, I think I think it's much better now. Yeah. Yeah. And um, like you, you are. And forgive me for going back to drag race you're definitely seeing that in the um sort of like in the workroom discussions i know obviously they're heavily edited and heavily produced mm -hmm. but you are seeing that sort of like the younger generation of gays that are coming in oh god the younger generation of gays I'm still <laughs> the young one uh <laughs> let it go let it go you're better off tom let it go yeah yeah um oh you have to teach me your secrets but um what I am seeing is now they are kind of switching on to there were people that came before us and there are, of course, the missing generation mm -hmm. of our community that just completely sort of wiped off uh, mm -hmm. the face of the earth. So it's good to see that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, 100%. And that's the thing. I think th there's a bit of a reverence. And I'm glad to see that there's like a respect and um, a respect for the lost generation, basically, because I grew up in that period. Right. I was I came out in the mid 90s. So I came out right kind of at the tail end of that when there was a resurgence and it was quite traumatic. Right. And so I think it's so important to kind of respect. And I also think like people like Beyonce and the whole kind of turning around and looking back at club kid culture and the ballroom culture, too, with respect, I think is so important because it's a, a very important part of our history. So I think paying respect to that is so I, I'm, I'm glad to see that happen. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Me too. Lady Gaga didn't invent everything, right? It's nice to kind of look back a little what, bit. She didn't. See... <laughs> <laughs> Breaking news, Tom. <laughs> right? It's, it's. I think it's important to pay respect to Grace Jones and and you know the plethora of artists that came before Lady Gaga that kind of shaped that. And I think pay respect to that. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So let's talk about now. You, I think you've mentioned some of them anyway. Uh, as, as we were talking there, but who are your like big musical inspirations? Who are they sort of like when you were starting out and who are they sort of now? It's interesting. My musical inspirations are very different from my music inspirations, to be honest with you. I love Madonna. I love Kylie. I love, I mean, you know, I'm a huge Steps fan. I love pop music. Um, but I also love Blondie and ACDC yeah. and Led Zeppelin. And so when I decided to write music, I was really, really not super conscious of it, but I really wanted music that was kind of sexy and fun but also very aggressive. And I yeah. always think of heavy metal and rock music is very, very aggressive, but borderline angry. And then you have like dance music and disco and pop, which is very, very happy and sexy. So I thought it'd be kind of cool to combine them all into an obnoxious, aggressive, sexy mess, yeah. so to speak. So yeah, my that, that's kind of my, my musical inspiration. Yeah, and it's always fun to have that sort of mix of stuff. Uh, well, nowadays, I think yeah. everyone listens to everything anyways, right? Like, yeah. you don't have to go to a record store and buy one album. You can just go on Spotify or any streaming service and listen to little bits of everything. And I think that the great thing about that is it's expanded people's um, ideas of music. Yeah. Just like, if you were to go onto my Spotify, you will see a mix of game soundtracks, heavy symphonic metal. Nice. Your stuff, of course, because I hit following. Uh, make sure you hit following on Mr. Slade's uh, Spotify <laughs> channel and go buy his music on iTunes. Um, 
And what else would you find? Uh, you would you would then find RuPaul on there. You would of find course. the entire cast of every season that's ever been. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, you would find stuff from the 80s. You would find Eurythmics, Blondie, um, Ha Ha. I absolutely adore Ha Ha. Um, and then um, Tears for Fears and then Ollie Alexander mm -hmm. as well, sort of like making that uh, making that bridge. So, yeah, the I, Brits I... own the best of 80s music, by the way. Thank you. By far. Yeah. <laughs> by far. I because you were. Oh, it was. Um, oh, on that podcast, you were talking about how the Scissor Sisters never made it in the States, but mm -hmm. like they took over the world here. Isn't that crazy? But that's the kind of, I mean, I love going to England just mainly because of the culture and the people, and I've always had a lot of fun there. But it's just a very interesting, um, I mean, Robbie Williams is another great example. Huge everywhere else, unheard of in North America. Yeah. Which is interesting. I think that's an internalized homophobia that North America has, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah. Not uh... even internalized. I think it's just blatant homophobia <laughs> that someone like Kylie and Robbie and the Scissor Sisters are unheard of in, in North America. Yeah, how dare they? How how dare they? Um, yeah, you're telling me because <laughs> <laughs> it's like I know they because um, take that are back together now. So thank God. <laughs> yeah, um, and it's it, it kind of weird because like I grew up and uh, for me, sort of like we had those '90s boy bands, sort of like NSYNC and kind of like Westlife and Boyzone. Mm -hmm. And looking back as a ten-year-old listening to mostly exclusively boys own a Westlife, I should have seen the writing on the wall. Yeah, you should have seen the writing. <laughs> <laughs> they did. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, uh, I, I just love that we now can just have all of this music and we can sort of just, just, just sort of like be inspired by loads of different um, mm -hmm. groups and bands yeah. and artists. Yeah, so there's a nice freedom to that, right? Yeah. Which I like. And talking of freedom, um, I know you've also, you mentioned, uh, performing arts college, is that correct? Mm -hmm. And you've talked previously in other podcasts about that being a place where you found yourself. Mm -hmm. And I've definitely noticed that that's something a lot of us in the gay community experience. It's like your first time away from home and then suddenly the world has opened up to you. Yeah. Can you tell us about your time there? Yeah, I mean, I went to a, a, a normal high school for two years and it was, you know, typically brutal. Um, I would eat my lunch by myself. I would sneak my lunch in the library and eat it by myself so no one would harass me or bug me. And then I auditioned to go um, to a drama program at a nearby arts high school. Got in and um, literally my life completely changed. It was the most weirdest, you know, um, being surrounded by people that just accept you and like you and encourage you to be you. And in this entire group, it, you know, the age of 16, it was definitely life changing. I mean, I, I wish most queer, I wish all queer kids could experience that because it really was life changing. You just kind of learn to not only accept yourself, but love yourself. And yeah. knowing that other people love you for being you, it's, it, you know, it's the best feeling in the entire world. There's a lot of drama, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, we love the drama, though, don't we? <laughs> a school full of artists and performers. Lots of drama. I think I found my diaries not too long ago, and I was reading them. You know, you always kind of romanticize things, you know, several years later. You always look at the back and romanticize them. But I was reading my diary. I'm like, oh, my God, what's with all this drama? Like, <laughs> it was quite exciting. It was like well, Glee on steroids. Honestly, make it a podcast. Like, yeah. make, make it your own podcast. Just read Reenacting with soft puppets, maybe. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, because like I experienced something kind of similar because I um, studied performing arts at college as well. Um, however, I can't sing. I cannot act. I can't dance. Um, so <laughs> that was a weird three years. But yeah. I, I did that at college. So before I went on to do my degree a few years ago, so I kind of had like a bit of a gap. And I did notice that as well. It's sort of when you are surrounded by people who are encouraging and people who are their authentic selves, this inspires you to also be your authentic self. Yeah. It's an amazing experience. It's an amazing feeling. Very yeah. grateful to it. Very, yeah. very grateful. Yeah. So let's jump over now, I think to um, your current work to your uh, music. So what is it about your current sound that, appeals to you is it the style is it the culture is it sort of all of the above T tell me everything so a little bit of all of the above i mean to go back to your whole thing about the missing generation and, our, and queer culture i really wanted to kind of create music that had the dna of the 80s and in my opinion almost like what would happen if aids didn't happen and yeah. kind of like that continuation and you know i remember in the 80s there's bands like twisted sister and all these like kind of goth glam rock bands with lots of makeup and kind of you know blurring the lines between masculine and feminine and they were told kiss for example they were totally cool with that and then aids came and then you had much more of a hyper masculine there was much more of a segregation disco was dead pop music was gay you know techno hasn't been invented yet and so i really kind of wanted like a continuation of 1983 1984 basically that kind yeah. of you know dark cd but fun type of sound basically so uh when i put music together i kind of gravitated toward that subconsciously and then i just kind of fine-tune things i kind of went like yeah this is kind of the path i want to go that kind of cd leather bar you know gay leather bar dance music mm -hmm. And talking of gay CD leather bars, which actually just sounds like a great place to go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the uh, first song I'm going to play, Call Me, very much sounds like it came straight from that, um, that, um, that bar. So tell me why this song? Well, I love Blondie. Huge Blondie fan. Um, and I thought it was hilarious that this song about male sex workers is so popular and such a huge part of pop culture. I thought, oh, this would be kind of fun to do in a submersive kind of way and make it a little bit grittier and a little bit more seedier and um, true to form. So that was the reason why I picked that song. But I mean, it's such a great song. Blondie, I, I'm a huge Blondie fan. So yeah. I thought, why not? I mean, if you're not a Blondie fan, then what's wrong with you? Then what's wrong with you, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because, uh, like, that's that's a bit of an education for me, because I didn't know it was until, sort of, like, I was doing research for this episode. I didn't know that song was all about male sex workers yeah. and being sex positive and sex, sort of, positive. What's yeah. a better word? <laughs> <laughs> with a credit card. Yeah, with a credit card, yeah. Um, yeah, because Blondie's very, sort of, grimy, aren't they? They're very, sort of, in-your-face. They're a little uh, bit of everything. I mean, what I love about them, in terms of why they're a huge music inspiration, I mean, they've done reggae, they've done punk, they've done ska, they've done disco, right? They've done a little bit of everything. They've done, and they've never thought, okay, this is our brand, this is our band, we need to stick with this. So I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, would you I'm gonna ever... Like that when I grow up. 
if you wanted to go completely left field from where you currently are, like, what would you pick? Music-wise or career-wise? Uh, Music-wise. Like, who would I be inspired by if it was... Yeah, like, who would you be inspired by if you were just to say, oh, suddenly I am going to cover... I'm just going to pick one out at random, like Metallica, mm-hmm. which I think... I would do, like... Well, the interesting thing is I have a song coming out that I'm releasing in December, which is an acoustic guitar ballad. Oh. Yeah, so that's kind of left field for me. How much can you tell me about it? Can you tell me that, about that's it? an acoustic guitar ballad. Oh, is that <laughs> it? I'll, e- I'll email you the MP3. How's okay. that? Okay. All right, all right. I- I'll-, I'll take that. I'll take that. All right. Oh, you tease me, Mr. Slate. You tease me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I'm definitely noticing as well that 80s is kind of having a bit of a revival. It sort of had a mini kind of revival at the start of 2010, 2011, mm-hmm. and now we're having more of a revival. And Lewis Capaldi just literally, practically a few weeks ago, did his version of Club Tropicana, which is one of oh, the wow. gayest songs in existence. Wow, yes. <laughs> That's our national anthem, basically. Yeah, what's it, what's the current music, like, sort of, like, over there? What's it looking like for New York and Canada? Well, here in North America, it's very different, and in Canada, to be honest, it's always very different. It's almost like camps get lost along the Atlantic Ocean, which is really, really sad. Okay, that 80s that 80s revival hasn't hit here unfortunately i Maybe i'm not market i'm gonna manifest it in your thank you <laughs> in your direction hopefully it uh hopefully it goes there no i usually have to go to england i usually go to london twice a year that's the that's where i get to dance to kylie on a dance floor or yeah. steps or sophia Spexter and enjoy camp fun oh god the best music like i just yeah agreed 100 percent agreed well i'm instantly happy We'll have to do a part two as well, because I'm like 45 minutes on the train, on the slow train into London. So we'll mm-hmm. have to just do a part two in person. Perfect. And uh, yeah, like just then suddenly Sophie Alice Bexter goes on and then <laughs> it makes a brand new kind of podcast, I think. <laughs> I would love that. <laughs> I live. So, of course, you also have been doing your uh, own original music, and this is a song I absolutely adore called Love Assassin. Thank you. Tell me. I wrote it. <laughs> uh, yeah, you did write it, yeah, and I'm totally not editing a big mistake out. Uh, <laughs> tell, me, tell me about this song. Tell me how it came into being. Um, the na-na-na's just got stuck in my head one day, and so I decided to use that as the base of the song. But the song is really about, um, it's kind of about me. I mean, it's like about, you know, meeting someone on the dance floor and then, you know, kind of falling for them and then being a complete, you know, wanker. And I yeah. think we've both been in both positions. I think everyone's been in both positions. We're the heartbreaker or the person getting your heart broken. You know, the douchebag and, you know, the, the uh, 
um, the romantic. So I thought it'd be kind of fun to play from both angles because I think we've all been there and both, you know, worn both shoes. Um, yeah, that's pretty much how that came about. Um, there was one line there that said Saturday, Saturday night never looked good walking down the Sunday street. That I'll let you know. Um, so one time I was dating this guy. And uh, Saturday night, I had a, in the early 2000s, I had like a really tight t-shirt that went just above my navel, like just above my belly button. And so I ended up spending the night at his place and he took me up for brunch the next day. And that was the only thing I had to wear. And so the looks that I got from people walking down the street, I was like, oh, this, doesn't, this, does, not, this does not translate well at all. This mesh little baby doll t-shirt that I'm wearing, that this 24-year-old is wearing. So that's where that line came from. But um, yeah, it's all about kind of that, um, you know, being um, a sucker for love and also being a douchebag at the same time. And I think a lot of people do relate to that, like, we kind of, a lot of us want to have that love, and, um, like, now I'm good, now you're just going to be relationship counseling to me, so I'm going to talk about my ex. Um, <laughs> and it's so easy, I think, um, sort of like, in, especially in our community, to just fall in love quickly, because... Well, there, there are a huge amount of them. There's still a lot of them, but like, mm. we are not the sort of mainstream uh, norm, and that certainly happens with my ex. And whenever I tell stories, I like to paint myself as the good guy. Mm -hmm. you know, the one who was the good guy. <laughs> yeah, and he was the bad guy, right? Yeah. yeah. But I think, like, the truth, and I think that's what Gary told me, the truth is, like, more nuanced, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. It's much more nuanced. And again, we've been in both places, right? I'm sure there's been, I'm sure you've been the douchebag in someone's story, right? So it's, it's and it works Maybe. out. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, they haven't. It's only Chris Friday. It's early Friday evening. I am not the douchebag. I am totally the douchebag. There you go. Like, I am a shady guy. I am a shady guy. The last song uh, from your discography I want to sort of talk about now is uh, "You Make It So Hard to Love You." Mm -hmm. uh, tell me, tell me all about this song, and I'll love that start straight away. Punches you in the face. Um, so I kind of wrote that about one of my managers that I didn't like. I was like, "Ah, oh, she makes it so hard for us to like her," and then that came up from there. And then, like, I like the subtext of, I mean, if you read the lyrics, is he talking about his heart or his penis? Right, I kind of like that you weren't really sure, but that kind of was the one of the first songs I wrote and had produced and worked with the guitars and kind of wanted to create that kind of borderline metal disco fusion, kind of. That's how that started. Can you spill any tea on the manager or not? No, because she's still alive. <laughs> oh, oh, that's sad. Um, <laughs> that's sad. When she's <laughs> dead, I'll reveal all. <laughs> I look forward to part, part, part two of this podcast where you've released your book 
And it's just a tell-all. It's a tell-all, yeah, 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 absolutely. A list of people I've been a douchebag to, and a list of people have been a douchebag to me. Here, here's a question for you. Um, if you could collaborate with any artist, alive or dead, um, we can resurrect them if you want, um, or hologram it. <laughs> Who would you want to collaborate with? You know, I'd say the Pet Shop Boys. I'm a huge Pet Shop Boys fan, and they are so brilliant. I'd 100% say the Pet Shop Boys. Yeah. So t t tell me, tell me what, what would you do with them? Uh, oh my gosh, I would love to write a song with Neil and yeah. Chris. I think it would be super cool. And because it's so, it's a slightly left field from my genre, like a kind of a, a, um, a combination of them would be kind of really cool. Like a futuristic electronic metal track, I think would be kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I, 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 I just need to you know, use my powers just to make that happen. I totally want to make that happen now. Yeah, that would be super cool. I'd be super excited about that. Something I'm really curious about. Um, your name, Mr. Slade. Is there a story behind that? Is there a meaning to it? Yeah, yeah, there 100% is. So... I think we all have different personalities and different personality traits and things like that. And I think when I go with my friends or, you know, when I'm feeling really great about myself and super confident and not cocky, but obnoxious and, you know, into mischief making and things like that, I wanted to kind of basically create my music to, to be the soundtrack for mischief. And so Mr. Slade is just a personality trait that I have. It's a personality trait that anyone can have, basically, when you're just kind of feeling good about yourself and ready for mischief. So that's why I call the project Mr. Slade. How would you, what advice would you give to somebody who, to that kid, that 16 year old kid in Nebraska? Why is it always Nebraska? I don't know, because it's the worst place in the world. <laughs> uh, I, I'd argue Lincolnshire is worse. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I used to live there. It's quite, quite, uh, quite a. I'll give that to you then. Curious place. Um, what advice would you give to that 16 year old to sort of find their own voice and to find their way to getting their Mr. Slade, their name. Yeah. Oh, that's such a good question, isn't it? I mean, believe in yourself, you know, it gets better. Know that it does get better. I think that's really important to kind of know and to find your tribe, right? Yeah. Like find your tribe, know yourself and don't be so hard on yourself and allow yourself to make mistakes. I think that's super important growing up. I wish someone told me that, but yeah. I think, you know, find your tribe. Yeah. And I think that's so important. I mean, here, back to Drag Race again. I think that's the wonderful thing about Drag Race, and that it's allowed all these kids from Nebraska to know that there's a tribe out there, right? I think that's super important. And then the next step, of course, is just finding it. But, like, I think it's, that's the wonderful thing that RuPaul has done. Yeah. Yeah. So we end every episode uh, with the Prost questionnaire. Um, so these were then later adapted by Bernard Pivot. And oh then later by James Lipton. And now I present my good luck and don't fuck it up adaptation <laughs> to you. <laughs> okay. Uh... What is your favorite word? 
Yes. What is your least favorite word? No. That's the most efficient answer to those two questions I've ever had. I'm Love a Virgo. <laughs> fair dues, fair dues. What engages you? Laughter. What disengages you? Scorn. I'm not used to people answering your questions this quickly. <laughs> well, you're supposed to, you have to, right? Like it's. No one has done it yet. No one's done it super quick. Everyone takes forever to think. You have planned ahead. <laughs> well done. Thank you. I wrote, I wrote them on my hand. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can just see that they're all smudged. Yeah. What sound or noise do you love? Laughter. What sound or noise? Kylie. Do you love? <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad I didn't finish the question there because the next okay. one. Is what sound or noise do you hate? Garbage trucks. Garbage trucks, yep. Actually, they're coming around now. I can hear them in the background. What is your favorite curse word? Fuck. That's the popular one. That's basic, isn't it? it it's the pop. Everyone loves it. It's like everyone just says it's so versatile. It's so Although beautiful. I do say, oh, my, my partner caught me saying this, and apparently I say this all the time. Oh, damn. Fuck, I can't remember now. I'll have to come up. I'll, I'll PM it to you. PM it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Wrestler. Epic. Yes. Big fan. Big fan of wrestling here. What profession would you not like to do? Garbage truck. Fair dues. If you could say only one statement to any one person, what would that statement be? And who would that person be? Don't worry. Be happy. To everyone. Fair dues, fair dues. I think I need to start <laughs> the people of Earth. To the people of Earth. I need to start putting a stipulation on that question. It's like, yeah, you kind of specific person, like one person. <laughs> <laughs> to everyone, to, to your people of planet Earth. Yeah. Don't worry, uh, be happy. Don't worry, be happy. Nice. Um, so, Mr. Slade, where can people find your music? Where can people find you online? So you can see me on Spotify. You can see me on Spotify. You can catch me on Spotify. I'm also on Instagram, Mr. Slade 77. Those are my main two uh, places. I'm also on YouTube and Facebook, but I generally talk to people on Instagram. Fair do. Instagram. Instagram. Woo. And of course you can find this show. Uh, we are on all of the um, podcast platforms, Spotify, Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, when it updates in 2027, Stitcher and all of the others wherever you consume a podcast. We're on TikTok at Meets Interesting. I'm on TikTok too, that's it. Well, I'll follow you. <laughs> uh, we're on Instagram at Tom underscore Meets underscore Interesting underscore People. I followed you the other day. And we're also on Twitter at Tom Meets People. Mr. Slade, thank you so much for your time and your patience with me. <laughs> <laughs> I had a blast. Thank you so much. And thank you for being on the show. You have just listened to an episode of Tom Meets Interesting People. If you'd enjoyed the show and would like to take part, or you know somebody who would make a great guest, please email me at tommeetsinterestingpeople at gmail.com and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Guests may provide audio content that helps to demonstrate their work. Guests have given permission for this work to be played through the use of a release form that they have signed. It is the understanding of this podcast that the material that they provide does not infringe on the copyright of others. All other rights reserved. Copyright 2022.